welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. Thanks, guys. You can have a seat. Um, uh, yeah, we've got to keep praying. Uh, you know, in Victoria now, um, they've closed the doors to school scripture effectively. And, um, and yet in New South Wales, I met the deputy principal of Gosford High uh, the other day. And uh, we had a team that have been working with us and helping us out from Youth for Christ who were there again on Friday. We are still doing or at least overseeing and organising the once a term scripture classes for the majority of years 7, 8, 9 and 10 at uh, Gosford High School. Uh, and so we've been doing that since Hudson was in year 7, which is about, I don't know, 14 years ago or so. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, we're just blessed that <laughs> the doors stay open and we're in there and the deputy principal is, is uh, sensible and aware that that's within the curriculum and not pushing against it, saying, no, that's cool. And so and the Youth for Christ director uh, for the Central Coast is resigning at the end of the year. Wonderful guy, Peter Alicon. Some of you may know him, Peter and Sarah. Um, and so we're not sure how uh, they'll be able to fulfil their role that they've been doing in the last few years. So we're really praying about that. At different seasons, we've had some of our people free and available. Um, a lot of our younger folk that are great at ministering in the high schools are busy, but uh, we'll pray and see you know, the right people come in to do that and go ahead with that next year. Um, now, today we're starting a series on uh, relationships uh, and uh, I wanted to come up with a catchy title for this series and struggled. I even brought in creative consultant Fiona, uh, who, as you know, is a very creative, um, brilliant young woman, and she was struggling as well. We looked at Oh, you know, all kinds of options because it's nice to have a, a title, you know. We thought of the alliteration angle, you know, and saying something like, uh, what did we write? Uh, you know, building better, beautiful bonds of, you know, bringing your best. To, you know, that didn't really work. And then, we, so then we actually resorted to Google and thought, and we typed in, you know, church series on relationships and thought, what do what people come up with? What have they used? So you, I want you to see a couple here. There's the, uh, you know, relation tips, get it, you know, a little play on words. And so you could say lame, but you know, they're having a go. And we thought, well, we could try that, but no. Then you've got the edgy, catch your attention, controversial, sex gone wild. <laughs> oh, I spoke to a pastor, I spoke to a pastor uh, the other day and they said the average, yes, sit down. Behave yourself. You know, as an aside, you, you know that Ruth, you know that Ruth famously years ago was preaching about uh, false religions, cults, uh, and she said from the pulpit, I hate sex. And I was a little concerned, obviously, and a friend of mine said, could you spell that? She went, what? He said, could you spell it, please? She went, sex, S-E-C-T-S. Oh, sex, as in cults. Phew, you know. Um, oh yeah, I spoke to a friend the other day, a pastor, and the average age uh, in his church 
Um, we must share some of the results of the NCLS we did at the end of last year. The results have just come in. So uh, the average age in our church, I think, is, is mid-late 30s. Average age in his church is mid-70s. Average. So I don't know if that was from their church trying to spice it up and bring it. Anyway, but this is my favourite. note. just before you show it, Kath, I just wanted to really bring you this visual feast. Because this one, I thought, really took the prize. Here it is. Love handles. Get a grip on love, sex and relationships. Fiona wanted to use that one. She said, can we just zoom in on that? I just, I'm tempted to just leave it up. It's so disturbing. Um, yes. <laughs> All right. I haven't even seen what Fiona's come up with. I think it's... Yeah, nice and solid. That's what we like. See, and there's the catchy title. Relationships. There, you happy with that title? All right. Now, why talk about relationships? Well, because we all have them. So we may as well try and have good ones. Because, uh, uh, you know, they're just part of life. In fact, they're, they're the essence of life. Really. You know, John Donne, the famous poet, he famously wrote, No man is an island entire of itself. Every man is a piece of the continent, a part of the main. And uh, of course, some people have wanted to be an island, you know, because we get hurt and we want to disconnect and we don't like relationships and we get upset with people. And so it can be tempting to want to withdraw from others, but you can't. You're just never going to get rid of people. They're everywhere. <laughs> and uh, you're going to connect with them. You're going to have to, at some point, deal with them. We are constantly connecting with and relating to people. And those connections and those relationships affect you more than anything else in your life. You know, more than the work that you do, as much as that hopefully is rewarding and fulfilling and you can get right into that, more than the money that you earn or save, more than the things you buy with the money that you have, more than the places you go, the experiences that you have, the things that you do, all the stuff that goes on in life, they all touch and affect and impact us to some degree, but none as much as the people that are around you while you're doing your life. And sometimes that can be negatively affecting you. Like I said, people feel a little hurt and, you know, fragile and and those relationships can be a little, you know, painful, but it can be very positive. It can be wonderful. Uh, and so we want to look at building healthy relationships. Because the fact is, you know, you can have the best the world's got to offer uh, and still not enjoy it unless you've got people to share it with. And conversely, you can live in very humble circumstances and enjoy life and, and be totally enriched and blessed simply because of the loving, healthy relationships that are with you while you're living quite simply and humbly. And if you think of the very best times you've had in your life over the years, there's no doubt it involves other people. There'll be, you know, memorable meals that you've had with friends. Um, you can have, uh, you know, sport times with a team such as Nikki and Sarah, congratulations on winning their netball grand final yesterday. And so there's the 
team spirit and, you know, you enjoy that with other people. Family holidays, Christmas gatherings, getting a win at work with a a team, you know, collaborative group of co-workers, you know, romantic moments with your loved one. Uh, These are all relationships that have added to those, those moments, those memories in your life. And hopefully you would also add to that list time spent with God. Hopefully right up there at the top of the list because we have the opportunity to relate to God. As you've probably heard it said before, the Christian faith isn't a religion. It's not essentially a set of rules. It's all about a relationship and we have that opportunity. And given that it's Father's Day, I thought, well, let's start in all our relationships by looking at the relationship we can have with our Heavenly Father. Now, of course, God is Father, Son and Holy Spirit. I had a very interesting 30-minute conversation the other day. The phone rang here in the office and uh, it was a a man by the name of Shane, never been to our church. I found out later he was in Townsville and he just happened to find our church and ring and wanted to talk to the pastor about the Trinity and why we're all wrong. Uh, you know, we I tried to find points of agreement and we did, you know, and we chatted and I was polite and we worked it through and see, it comes down to just not being isolated, you know. He uh, is a lovely guy and had read his Bible back to front, but uh, it really helps when, you know, in the multitude of counsellors, there's safety, safety for your own brain and your own spirit. And he who isolates himself, the Bible says, is not, wise and anyway so his issue was the trinity and of course we can't completely understand it why should we be able to because we're the clay and he's the potter we're created he's the creator um but of course we have father son and holy spirit and we do relate to the the spirit as our comforter and our guider and you know he comes uh, and lives within us and of course he is known as the spirit of christ so he's representing jesus who's our lord our savior and our friend uh, and of course, we relate to all three parts of the Godhead differently and, and yet all at one. Uh, and so today, I guess the focus is more on our Father and, uh, and our relationship with God uh, really is the most important relationship we can have in life because it affects all the other ones and can affect very positively. You know, sadly, um, we've got so many dysfunctional families in our society and so many um, broken marriages and so many fractured friendships and, um, and God can help us to have functional families and healthy marriages and friendships and relationships of all kind and, uh, and of course he can only help us if we, if we connect with him and have a relationship with him and then if that one is strong, that relationship is strong, you know it doesn't really matter what else is going on in your life things are going to work out. You can, you can walk with God strongly and, and it'll build your life. Uh, you know, when you read the Bible, you see continually people who are facing incredibly difficult times and yet their relationship with God is strong and so they survive and get through it. You know, like you, you, you see people who, regardless of all the other relationships, they prove that if you draw near to God, he really will draw near to you. He really will strengthen you and bring you grace and love and his presence so that you can just overcome anything and, and fulfill your potential. And I think as I scan through, you know, on that concept, I think of David, 
who his whole life, you know, we read in the stories and the Psalms of his life, um, his walk with God, his relationship with God was strong and, and through its ups and downs of the mistakes that he made and the challenges that he had. Uh, but his relationship with God kept him going. Particularly, do you remember the time when his own friends wanted to kill him? Now, I don't know how you're going in your friendships, and I've had some ups and downs, but I'm pretty sure none of my mates were really ready to kill me, literally kill me. But that's what they said. They wanted to kill him because all their wives and kids had been taken in an ambush. And what does it say? David encouraged himself in the Lord. He turned to the Lord, the only relationship that he could rely on at that point, and then everything else worked out. And then, of course, you look at Joseph, betrayed, you know, and sold into slavery. His own brothers abandoned him. And, uh, and then for 13 years, he's in and out of jail, and yet he's completely innocent. And no one's standing by him. He's got no advocate, no support, no human relationship to help him. But the hand of God is there. And then miraculously, he goes from prison to the palace in one day. And then, of course, you know, you could go on and on. Let me just reflect on Paul, the apostle. Persecuted, beaten, imprisoned, shipwrecked, betrayed by people who he should have been able to rely on. Uh, And yet he's the one that wrote, I've learned the secret of being content in every situation. Not because of the people that he was relying on, but because the relationship he had with God. And that was strong and sweet and, and essential for him. Uh, and, uh, and so that's, you know, his platform for all his ministry and all surviving through those difficult times. Um, so I want us to look at a story that Jesus told that uh, reveals to us something of the Father heart of God. Quite a lot about the Lord reflected in this story. If you've got a Bible, go to Luke 15. And you know, if you read um, the beginning of Luke, it says in the first few verses, um, it might come up on the screen if you don't uh, have a Bible there. Uh, It used to be a concern, you'd say, turn in your Bible uh, if you didn't hear a lot of pages being turned, you know, and you'd think, oh, no one's brought their Bible. And now you don't, you hardly hear a page. I hope that means... You're not looking at Facebook, but uh, you're looking at a Bible app. Uh, So it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. Now, you know, tax collectors were considered very sinful uh, by the religious leaders at the time. They had sold themselves out to serve the Romans and, you know, rip their own people off. Uh, This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that Jesus was associating with such sinful people even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. Now, I won't read all of this, but you know, there's three parables he then goes to tell. The first one, he talks about um, a lost sheep and a shepherd leaving 99 sheep and going just to find that one sheep. And he's obviously talking about God's heart for the lost people. The Pharisees are part of the 99 and they're very prideful and in their position and were chosen and why is Jesus hanging around with these sinners and Jesus trying to show, obviously, God loves everyone, including the sinners. They're the lost sheep. I'm going to get them. And, uh, and then, of course, he tells another parable about a woman who loses a coin and spends a lot of effort trying to find the coin, again, reflecting God's heart. Then he tells the third, the most well-known of these three stories, all with the same message. And, of, the, of course, this is the story 
of a man with a lost son. We read from verse 11, excuse me, enjoying the little table here, Frosty. Thank you. Thank you, Ruth, not Frosty. You didn't do anything. You're taking all the credit. Right. It's Father's Day, so all right, soak up the credit. Luke 15, uh, let's read from verse 11. It says, to illustrate the point further, Jesus told him this story. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Well, he's off to a bad start, isn't he? Because I'm a dad and kids, I'm just telling you, there's no way, okay? Just don't even think about it. You're lucky, you know, you get a present once you grow up and... and uh, Honestly, what is this kid thinking? Um, So his father agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. A few days later, this younger son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land and there he wasted all his money in wild living. It's just getting worse for this kid. About this time, his money ran out. A great famine swept over the land and he began to starve. It really is getting worse, isn't it? He persuaded a local farmer to hire him and the man sent him into his field to feed the pigs. Just stop there. He's Jewish. This is the worst possible job you could have. Pigs are unclean. They didn't eat them. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. And that's his job. This, you cannot get lower than this. He has really hit rock bottom. The young man became so hungry, even the pods he was feeding the bee, pigs looked good to him. Have you ever seen what pigs eat? Have you ever seen pigs in the, in the, on the farms? It looks like they eat mud. They, they just, it's incredible what they'll survive on. And so people literally throw the garbage to pigs and pigs survive. True, yeah? People on the land, it's, it's amazing how they survive. And then, you know, it's a, not that I'm a vegetarian, but it's a bit of a case for vegetarian. I love pork, but honestly, when you see what the pigs eat, you think, wow, and I like pork. Yeah. Um, uh, so um, they've obviously got good, you know, kidneys or whatever. It cleans out all the junk. Um, Excuse me. So he, he, um, he's so hungry, no one gave him anything. When he finally came to his senses, one Bible says, version says, um, he came to himself. I love that. We need to come to ourselves. He said to himself, at home, even the hired servants have food enough to spare. And here I am dying of hunger. So I'll go home to my father and I say, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you. I'm no longer worthy of being called your son, obviously. But can I just come in and be a hired servant? So he returned home to his father. While he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. Tim, you can read this bit, see how you cope. Because... You know, Tim was moved to tears early this morning and you read that, you know, that's pretty touching. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. His father said to the servants, quick, bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet and kill the calf that we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and he has now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. 
Now, come on, just read with me this other bit that we've got to remember the celebration of that, but it's worth noticing if you read on. Meanwhile, the oldest son was in the fields working. He returned home. He heard music and dancing in the house. He asked one of the servants, what was going on? Your brother is back, he, he was told. Your father has killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one little goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he's found. Obviously, the second brother represents the Pharisees at that time. And if we're not careful, believers in this time who are already in the family of God and then are somehow strangely resentful of the celebration and the fuss that goes over someone who's new. Someone who's coming to the Lord, someone who's maybe, you know, not behaving themselves properly and yet has put their faith and come back to the Father. And that really rattled this guy's cage. And of course, Jesus is telling that story so the Pharisees could see this is what you guys look like. You're jealous, but you shouldn't be. You should be more welcoming. Um, and of course, it's interesting there that the Father says, I. all I have is yours. There's a, a lack of faith in that second son to be able to live with the prosperity that is on offer for him. Now, of course, this story is known as the parable of the prodigal son or the story of the lost son. And in fact, your Bible probably even has a little title written above it. But notice that that title was added later. Jesus didn't give it that title. So you could easily call the story just as much the story of the loving father. Because although we've got the prodigal son that we often think about, the lost son who returns, we've got the second son that I just mentioned, the jealous, silly one. But I want to notice here the heart of the father because, uh, you know, on, we'll put it this way. On Father's Day, I like to do three things. I, I like to ring my dad and, and honour him and, and wish him a happy Father's Day. And in fact, I'm honouring him today because I'm riding a classic motorbike from his era of riding because he sadly can't ride anymore so I think of him today when I ride the old uh, 1957 AJS and um, secondly I like to think about my own role as a father and how I can do a better job Um, and hopefully along with that I get to hang out with my kids and if past years are any indication I probably get given some chocolate as well so that is nice Cole's on the way home if you haven't uh, you know, figured it out yet. Um, but I also thirdly like to think about my heavenly father and how awesome he is. And this story helps us because it gives a good indication of what God is like. And there's, there's at least three things that he does and offers and, and, and reveals that not all fathers do. We should, but we don't always do it, but God certainly does. And they come through in the illustration here through this father. The first one is that he demonstrates love. Incredible love that is manifesting itself through grace, through mercy, and right on into this act of forgiveness, this entire attitude towards the returning son. Because you could, 
you know, let's face it, most people in that position would say, the son said, I'll return to the father. I don't deserve to be your son. Can I just have a job as one of the slave servants, hired hands? He came back. The father saw him. The son came up, hat in hand, said, I'm really sorry, dad. The dad was indignant. You, you bet you should be sorry. Can I have a job? I guess so, but you're right. You joined the flippant servants out the back. How dare you? Who do you think you are? Yeah, you know, or at least... Well, it's good to see you, son, but I told you so. And da 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 There's no mention. There's no repercussion. There's no bitterness. There's no offence. He's, he's been betrayed. The son rudely asked for his inheritance before the dad even died. He then took it and left and just abandoned the dad. And then he wasted all the money. So he's done nothing right and it doesn't matter. That says something. Because you don't have to earn God's love. You cannot earn God's love. So if you've done nothing to earn God's love, that's okay. If you've made a mistake, and let me guess, I think you have. Because the Bible says, all have sinned. Welcome to humanity, the human race. We've all made mistakes. We all sin. The Bible says we all fall short of God's glory. So we can't find our way to God. We can't get spiritual satisfaction, eternal life, future hope, knowledge of purpose. There's so much stuff that our spirit cries out for. We can't get it. But God offers it to us. And all we've got to do is approach him. And that's what this kid did. He was smart enough to return to the father and he was repentant in his attitude. He didn't say, I know what I'll do. I'll go back and ask for some more money. No, 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 he knew he had done everything wrong and that's repentance, awareness of what you've done and then turning around and turning back to God and look who he finds, this incredible, gracious, loving, merciful father. You know, the Bible says mercy triumphs over judgment. Of course, there's going to be a day of judgment, the end of time, but God is seated on a throne of mercy. His heart is towards us with mercy and uh, you know that verse that says while he was still a long way off verse 20 his father saw him coming filled with love and compassion he ran to his son and embraced him traditional bible verse uh, translations say he fell on his neck and kissed him listen to what Matthew Henry the famous bible commentator wrote about that verse his father saw him Here were eyes of mercy and had compassion. Here was a heart of mercy and ran. Here were feet of mercy and fell on his neck. Here were arms of mercy and kissed him. Here were lips of mercy. It was all mercy from first to last. Isn't that awesome? Uh, And you know, and that represents God's love to you. God's heart to you today. We sang earlier, God, you're a good, good father. That's who you are. And then the next bit says, and I'm loved by you. That's who I am. That's my identity. That's all I need to know. It's not your job. It's not your talent, not your skills. You know, I was talking to Andrew earlier and he's sailing, sailing boats. Where is he? He's deaconing. He's with kids. There he is. You know, I said, how's the sailing? He said, I'm not sailing anymore. I said, what do you mean? Because he's been a champion sailor, you know, and it's obviously really challenging physically and financially and it's a stretch and he's got kids and, you know, and you can't do all the 
you know, the, the glory sporting stuff forever. But, but he's still able, with a bunch of other sailors, sort of now doing remote control sailing so you don't get hurt and it's a bit cheaper, you know, and it's still competitive, you know. But, um, you know, if, you're, if, if you've been into sports, you, you can't afford to have your identity wrapped up only in that season of your life, that success that you had because the muscles don't work quite as well and the glory days come and go and, and so where's your identity? Well, it's just in God's love for us and the same with your career, your job, your good looks, your hair, lack of, you know, there's all sorts of stuff that changes over the years but this one doesn't change. You're always going to be a child of God if you want to be, yeah, and he's always going to be perfect and loving and merciful and even if you blow it and take your inheritance and do the wrong thing and run and even if you've come back and run away again and run away you come back he's there arms of mercy pretty cool second thing that this reveals is God's abundant provision he's not tight he's not short of cash he's not short of wanting to spend that cash and that everything and whatever he has it's it's directed towards us and here you know this father is so excited about seeing the son he's he says well we're going to have a party and we're going to have a real party we're going to get the best it said when the other son came he heard music it's not the ipod they got a live band you know they didn't have just oh just put the gramophone on or the radio it's like right Send out, you know, go and get the best minstrels from all the other places and get them together and let's get the band happening. We've got to get the band back together. Um, And um, (laughs) we're on a mission from God. (laughs) Um, (laughs) They got both kinds. They had country and western. Sorry. Um, Back to the Bible. Um, Um. so, you know, they had a, a, a massive party because he's willing to offer the best that he has to both sons. Remember the second son? It was all on offer, but he just didn't have the confidence and the faith and the, the self-esteem to kind of reach out and ask. The dad would have given him a party if he wanted one. He just didn't ask. And so this is generous. This is God's great abundant provision towards us. And and that's, uh, that's good to know, you know, that he's Jehovah Jireh. He's our provider. He, he, listen, um, Spurgeon, another great classic uh, preacher and writer from the past, on this part of the story, here's his commentary. He says, it was the knowledge that there was plenty in his father's house that led him back. And you may depend upon it that the preaching of full salvation, rich in blessing, is a strong inducement to a sinner to cry, I will arise and go to my father. This prodigal son might never have gone back if his father had kept a miserly house with a scanty table. But he knew that even the servants in the kitchen had bread enough to spare. His father never stinted them. They had what they needed. And there was always more than they could eat. So there was no need for his son to perish with hunger. In like manner, the extraordinary bounty of God in Christ Jesus, the richness of his free redemption is the means of bringing many a starving soul to Christ. In other words, we preach a full, wonderful gospel. 
It means good news. We should be confident for ourselves and when we tell other people that God is good, that Jesus isn't you know, going to bash them on the head and tell them, here's your list of do's and don'ts. And if you don't get it right, you won't go to heaven. You'll burn. In you know, it's, it's wonderful. It's a celebration. God loves us. He has a party with us. And, and, and the Bible says we are rich, richly blessed. Every spiritual blessing in Christ is ours. And so, um, you know, many of us here have proven over the years that God is a good God, that he really does provide for us. We want to keep that strong in our heart, especially if you go through a tough time. Remember, God is there. And isn't it interesting, Spurgeon notes there, that the son knew even the servants in the house are well fed and well looked after. That's the God we serve. You know, uh, Romans 8.32 uh, talks about God's generosity. It says, He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, freely or graciously or generously give us all things? God didn't even hold Jesus back. So he's not going to worry about healing you with that condition or blessing you or making sure your bills are paid or leading you to a, a, a better job if you need it or a, 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 a solution to that problem or a relationship that needs fixing there. You know, he wants to move and bless us. And so that's the father that we have when we come into his family. The third thing, notice, is that this father provides a home and with that, a future. He doesn't just say, oh, all right, well, all is forgiven, off you go. No, he brings him into his home and that home is a place of security but also of purpose. There's things to do in a good home. There's chores and jobs and and, uh, a sense of satisfaction in building that home making the place, and this would have been a working farm. Um, And uh, there's no indication for us what happens after the son comes back. Have you ever wondered what happened to this son? What did he do? I, I think he had such an appreciation of the life that was given back to him that he didn't blow it a second time. I think he would have had a change of heart, change of attitude, and therefore a change of behavior and would have lived on with purpose, building the house, building the family business, working on the farm, learning to get on with his brother, uh, who was a little bit prickly. Um, And so for us, you know, when we come to faith, we get given a home in God's family, but we also get given purpose and direction and and of course we get perspective. We get God's perspective. Literally, it says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. So we get to see what's going on in the world around us, but from God's viewpoint, and we can get, you know, another way of seeing things. And and so we can live with what God provides, not just with what the world provides. So we live with hope and joy and peace and satisfaction and truth and purity and, and strength of character and confidence and all these qualities that you might not be getting from what's going on around you. In fact, quite the opposite. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on in the world around us. And and yet we're called to live out by our conduct in the world where we are by position in God. And so we can and and should do that. And that, of course, that includes purpose, living with a sense of meaning, accomplishing things that have got eternal rewards, living a lifestyle that's honouring and glorifying God. And of course, part of that purpose is helping other prodigals find their way back home. 
And this is something we, we revisit on a regular basis and want to make sure we carry in our heart that, you know, we're bumping into people who are figuratively speaking, feeding the pig food, eating off the pig's food out in a foreign land, spiritually. They, they might even look good physically. They might even be happy in some areas of their life socially, but spiritually we're dead until we come to Christ and we can help people find out where they're at and pray for them to come home to the Father. And, uh, and that's part of our calling and purpose. I'll just come to a close and remember the, that why did Jesus tell this story? Because he wanted the religious people to be aware of the lost people and not to leave them lost, but to be aware that God loves them. And, um, uh, and, and that's, you know, obviously a message for us that, you know, we've found Christ. We want others to as well. He's the way, the truth, and the life. We want others to know that. And, and of course, when Jesus said that in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But when we do come to Christ, we come to the Father. We become part of his family. And let me finish one last verse that isn't in this passage. But, you know, in the book of Psalms, it says, God is a father to the fatherless. He's a defender of widows. He says, it says in the next verse, God places the lonely in families. And I just want to say on Father's Day, if your earthly, natural family and or father is not perfect, none of them are, but some are far from perfect. Maybe some have been very difficult relationships, then we have a perfect heavenly father who becomes that father figure for us and and we can learn forgiveness and grace and 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 deal with hurt or resentment that may have been caused by our our natural situations and some pain that people have gone through can be helped and healed when we're in this relationship with our father in heaven amen praise him so let's Let's appreciate that. Thank you, Lord. Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.